Hello, and welcome to the Adapt and Overcome podcast series from Alt-RPO. In the evolving landscape of the COVID-19 pandemic, we decided to bring real people together to share their experiences and lessons learned, especially in regard to virtual work environments, strategy, and leading teams. These are real leaders having conversations about the challenges they're facing, hosted by our Alt-RPO CEO, Sean Olfeld, and Master Facilitator, John Hawley. These conversations are happening in the context of live bi-weekly webinars. If you'd like to learn more or participate in those webinars, you can visit altrpo.com slash webinar. Without further ado, here's our panel. We're gonna go down the list of the people that are on the, the flyer. So if I could have you guys just introduce yourself uh, for about a minute uh, and we'll start with Joseph. Yeah, my name is Joseph Kopser, and thanks again to everybody for organizing this. In a minute or less, uh, the reason why I'm excited to be about uh, be part of this topic today is because looking back on my career, it's all about times of when I've organized or reorganized in a state of chaos. 20 plus years in the military, uh, it was time after time in peacetime training that we practiced for this. And then when we got to combat in Iraq, it's literally how do you do things in a stressful environment, dispersed organizations. After the military, I started a startup. Uh, there's no better example of organizing for chaos than to start a company from scratch. Took that all the way up, sold it to Mercedes, and then turned right around and got into the political arena. And again, no better example of chaos in America than our politics. Again, building an organization from scratch, taking it all. So in all four of those sectors, the other being academia, teaching for five years, I've seen examples of working in a dispersed environment, a chaotic environment, and I look forward to sharing some of those lessons today. Awesome, thank you. Uh, we'll move on into David. John, uh, so great to be here today. Uh, David Schiff, uh, 16 years with the Navy, five active duty and the rest uh, as a civilian. Uh, right now, uh, I'm the civilian lead for Naval X, which is um, the Secretary of the Navy's innovation cell. We're really there to connect our workforce with the outside and also connect uh, internally using modern methods and tools. And uh, that's everything from uh, kind of new methods to, to do workflows and also uh, methods to train, uh, communicate. And like Joseph said, you know, it's uh, the times of chaos are great times to learn. Uh, both my active duty time, my civilian time, and a little time in the private sector, in addition to the time at Naval X, have really shown me that uh, you can take advantage of these uh, periods to really learn and grow and uh, push forward and change that may have been uh, hard to get through in normal times. So I think we should leverage this opportunity. To, uh, look at what we're doing right now. We wouldn't have done this a few weeks ago. So Don and Sean, great job on running this and I uh, look forward to helping out. Awesome, uh, Barbara. Hi from Canada. I think I'm the only one here from Canada. <laughs> Thank you for, for having me and well, uh, like Joseph said, building from scratch, that's, uh, that's what we've done as well. We have a really small little um, consulting and speaking company built on kind of the foundation of um, adventure as a metaphor. Um, so my husband and I um, run this company called Azimuth with a brand called Expedition Life for over 25 years. And so we've, uh, we've actually spoken or facilitated to thousands of companies and probably millions of people um, at, at this point. Uh, my part in it is um, I'm a sociologist. I specialize in social innovation. I've done a lot of disaster research, environmental 
topics, um, environmental literacy, um, but mostly I'm the customization person, um, the content creator and analyzer in our group. Um, I think you'll hear from my husband next week, who's the alchemist on stage. Um, so my uh, three key points for this topic, just to keep me on track, is my role as a, as a working person and the sort of leadership role that I play. It's not just about the work, and we're talking about work today, but I really want to emphasize that I, I play three re, really key roles. One is that I'm, I'm the CEO of the family of four that lives in this house, and my leadership and the work on that is um, has changed drastically in the in the last little while. So that's one huge focus that um, that that's always in in my in my back background <laughs> mindset. The other is I'm the business person with our Expedition Life brand, and the third is that I um, I'm a, a director on our board in our community. And so all three of those work projects have drastically changed. Um, and so I'm I'm hoping that we can talk about the work role, but within mind, how do we be of service and um, be respectful of all three of those roles that, that we that we play? That's great. Awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, Trey? I can't hear you, Trey. I am, I am Trey Dudley. I'm one of the partners, First Financial Group, and uh, also the owner of Light Tower Wealth Strategies. We are an independently owned financial services firm. We specialize in working with businesses and entrepreneurs on their succession plan, continuity plan, and growth plans from uh, infancy to, uh, to grave. And while I was not in the military, I had been in the private sector. I'm in my 25th year doing this. And one of the, one of the points that I want to spend time on and, and talk about is the continuity plan, continuity of business when you have business interruption. Our firm is such that we are in the securities industry also, and we are a, let's call it a mission essential type of business as, as clients are sending in uh, checks or want distributions from accounts, we cannot go down. We have got to be able to serve that client uh, when, the, when the business is open and in this remote uh, work environment, we are being tested with our continuity plan. I'm proud to say it is working swimmingly. And um, so just uh, share some of the things that we're doing, some of our best practices, and hopefully take, have some good takeaways from all of these wonderful panelists as well. Great. All right, let's uh, round it out with Nicholas. And you're on mute. Hey, everybody. Nick Bleeker. Uh, I just retired from the Navy in the uh, beginning of the month. Um, and a couple months ago, I started my career, my second career with uh, Boston Consulting Group. So I'm a consultant with Boston Consulting Group out of the Philadelphia office. Uh, mostly been working down in D.C. Monday to Friday uh, since I started. Um, it's really been exciting to do that transition. And as we now have transitioned into working remotely and trying to figure out how, how to deal in the, in the current world environment that we're in, I think I've been really impressed with how BCG has quickly transitioned to working remotely, empowering all the employees to support our clients and support each other as best as we can. Um, and I think I, I've gotten to learn a lot about myself and how much I am not made to work from home. And so this has been a struggle for me to adjust. Uh, and I'm sure others of you are, are dealing with the same. So hopefully we can help you address some of those concerns uh, during this webinar. And thanks everyone for joining.
Excellent. Thanks, everyone. We are uh, super excited to have this lineup of uh, panelists today. Hope you guys get a lot of really good information out of this. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm the CEO of Altar PO. We're a team building agency. You've been hearing a lot from John. Uh, John is a master facilitator. We like to call him the, a, a facilitation Jedi um, and Emily as well, all from Altar PO. We appreciate you guys uh, showing up today interacting, engaging. Uh, we really do encourage you to ask as many Q&A uh, questions as you can. Um, the flow of this, just so everyone understands how this is gonna flow, we do have a couple set questions. We'll go back and forth, really looking for a free flow conversation. So if you hear something uh, as an attendee and you wanna you know, kind of dig a little deeper, just throw your question in the uh, Q&A and we'll try and uh, work that into the conversation. We will redirect every now and again if we're going too far down uh, you know, a specific rabbit hole. Um, we'll pull everyone back and then we'll keep moving on. But our goal here is to give as much value um, to both the panelists and the attendees as we possibly can. So um, with that, I'll turn it over to John. Thanks uh, thanks for being here. Awesome. Yeah, and just to, to piggyback on, on the end of that, if any of us uh, drop out or anything like this, this is supposed to be raw, supposed to be fun and engaging. And uh, one of the, the things of feedback that we will likely get from you is that this wasn't enough time for the people that we have. And, and that's somewhat of the point. We're going to provide enough that uh, you want to engage with these folks when we're done so that uh, we can continue the conversation after the fact. So please keep that in mind. And uh, I'll ask the first question uh, over to, to Joseph. And I'm, I'm looking to see what you think the, the biggest challenge is for your organization that that's, exists right now. Well, I think the biggest challenge for our organization impacts every organization right now, which is what next? So one of the things I like to remind businesses or teams of any size or type is that when something happens, there's really three rules or three questions that have to be asked. The first is, well, what just happened? Really try to get your mind around what just happened. Number two is, who needs to know about it? So in the context of business, it's your vendors, it's your customers, it's every aspect of your supply chain to really figure out who needs to know about it, even competitors, how you're going to work together. And then thirdly is, what are we going to do about it? A very clearly articulated plan. The more complex the plan, the harder it gets. And so that's what we're adjusting to right now is really help people figure out what just happened, who needs to know about it, and what are we going to do about it? So we're simultaneously having to do it for our own organization with all of our own clients, but then actually try to help our clients because that's what we do in this world of consulting and this world of coaching and teaching is to figure out how to help them in real time, kind of like building an airplane while it's in flight. But then again, that's why we signed up for this kind of stuff because we like it. That's great. Trey, can you, uh, can you follow that as well uh, along with the challenges, maybe something to piggyback off of uh, what Joseph said? Absolutely. So what, what we're finding that the biggest challenge we're having is actually our internal communication between our people internally, because we are so we are such a communal organization, although we have seven offices around the mid-Atlantic, it is easy to pick up the phone or walk down the down the hall and see someone. And working from home is just not really how we're built as, as people people, if you will. 
And so the the, com, the lost camaraderie is is definitely difficult. Number one. Number two. If you just need a really quick question, it's not like you just stick your head out of out of your door or say, you know yell down the hall, hey, what do you have? It's an email, and you don't know when somebody else is on a phone or another call and things of that nature. So it's on time communication that we're finding is is the biggest challenge. And one of the ways that we're overcoming that is we have everybody's calendars linked now so we know where people are on when they're in meetings and things of that nature. So uh, if somebody needs to get me, they know right now I am on a call until 3 o'clock. They know, well, I, I'm out of, out of pocket till 3. I'm good till 3.15 and, and ready to go. So that certainly helped. Another thing that we're doing that I think is uh, really nice is we are having virtual coffees in, in the mornings. We start our day and it is a general roundtable check-in and it's not about business. It's about um, what movie did your family watch on Netflix last night since there's nothing else to do or what, what kind, what's a great recipe that you did and things of that nature. And what we're finding while we are distant, we are, we're, we are coming, and it's only been a week granted, but we are coming together and it, it's even spreading to our spouses and significant others where they're actually in contact now. So it's, it, it's going pretty well. So we'll see how things keep going on, but um, we're confident. Hey, Trey, as oh, far good. as movies are concerned, are you recommending Contagion as a movie to watch? <laughs> no, we're not. Actually, you know, the funny thing, most of them are all slanted around comedy because everybody's, you know, tired of this craziness going on. So <laughs> that's a good one, though. <laughs> I'm going to bring that up tomorrow no. morning at coffee, actually. I'm writing that down now. Uh, follow the, uh, the, 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 between the two of you and go to the point of view that you have, Barbara, you talked about... I don't know how much you want to get into, uh, you know, the, the family portion of doing this from home and whatnot, but if you could maybe touch on the challenges there, that'd be great. Uh, I, I don't see it as a challenge, to be honest. I've, uh, we're a two-person little small organization. We're not the, you know, we, we don't have your, um, your um, you know, your, your same challenges with getting people together with Trey and, and same with Joseph. We're a two-person team that's been working as a husband and wife for 25 years. Um, the challenge is that we mostly deliver keynote presentations and do facilitation for large groups and large companies all over the world and we can't travel and we don't have any groups to talk to anymore. So as of, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, our, our whole business we've worked uh, for um, 25 years very, very hard on is completely disappeared. Uh, so it's um, the family part will come in later because I think that we have an opportunity to bring our family in to kind of reimagine our business, which I can talk about a little bit later. Um, but this is my office. This is where I work. I work design, content, create, analyze, research. That's kind of the geeky sociologist in me. And my husband's out speaking to your groups uh, all over the world and kind of, um, um, you know, delivering content to people. So I'm pretty raw. I'm pretty, un, uh, you know, unclear on how do you take a business that you worked really hard uh, for 25 years to build and see it go to nothing. It's, it's really nothing. And so, you know, um, I will try to keep the glass half full and sort of the reimagine metaphor um, instead of the repair, because I think the industry, maybe Joseph, you know, can speak to this a little bit later too, about, you know, getting in front of groups of maybe 30 to thousands of people is not, is not repairable. I don't, for, I, I, I don't see that, that, that we're going to get back to that. So if we're not getting back to that and sort of repairing that industry that we once knew, how do we 
reimagine where we can still impact people. Hey Barbara, just on a on just on a quick note to your point, the good news is they still built cruise ships after the Titanic. So we'll, we'll figure we'll figure out how to get it right. But but you're right. It's an interesting time. Yeah, and, and building off that, Barbara, and maybe we can uh, take this one over to Nick. So, uh, and really, and then open it up. Um, there's clearly a, uh, a a massive stress that's been put on um, organizations, individuals, families, um, and it's you know everyone already had some level of mental uh, mental stress, and I think this brings uh, this has just exacerbated it. So, as an individual, Nick, you had mentioned uh, just the, the challenges of you know, working remote and uh, that not really being something you're used to, you know, have you found that you're implementing anything from an organizational standpoint, uh, you know, has BCG or anyone, uh, any of the other panelists instituted any kind of mental wellness or mental fitness um, protocols, if you will, in, in the recent weeks? That's helpful. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I've tried to, to make sure I do is keep as many of my routines as I can. So, um, I still get up and get dressed. Um, you know, I, I've read, you know, a hundred memes about, you know, putting on my day pajamas versus my night pajamas. And, and I, I have, I have fought that temptation, um, because I think it allows me to at least mentally get in a place to, to be at work. Um, one of the things when you're working for, you know, a BCG, especially, you know, on a, on a big heavy client, you know, facing case, like I am right now is that, you know, Monday to Friday when I'm on the road, you know, I would be working eight to, you know, sometimes late into the evening, late into the night. And, my, you know, once I got back to my hotel room, you know, working on projects and that's a lot harder, you know, when you are home, um, you know, with other people around to, to still be able to maintain those work hours. Um, I think our, our project team um, and our company in general has done a really good job of understanding that that changing dynamic is going to change people's ability to, you know, kind of still be engaged 12 or 13 hours a day. Um, and, and I think that that's important that we all are um, empathetic to what other people are dealing with. Um, yesterday, I had to uh, kind of disappear from my case team for, for quite a number of hours because I had an issue uh, with a family member and potentially having to go to the hospital. And, um, you know, it, there was no resistance. It was quickly, hey, I hope everything's okay. Who, who can pick up what he's carrying? And, and I think that's what we all need to do right now is you know we all need to do the best we can remotely and looking out for each other understanding that we're all trying to learn how to do this um some people are are loving it my buddy who i i've been trying to facetime with once or twice a week has a, a sign behind his desk that says seven days without pants and he's really excited about working at home you know in short every day and, and I would go fully crazy um, if, if that was me. He's going to try to stay remote working once this all ends. He's going to talk to his company about remote working. And I am going to volunteer to be the first one out the door to go back to client meetings. So, you know, different people are dealing with it differently. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm really fortunate. I think BCG's done a really good job of empowering both its, its um, you know, its staff and then really taking care of its, uh, its clients. We've stepped up and put all of our people who weren't on cases forward so that they can start helping people with how are they going to respond to this changing world. So uh, uh, it's been great and it is hard um, and it's okay to admit that it's hard um, and ask for help. So, and Trey, I really like your idea of a, a morning coffee break. Uh, I think one of the things that I'm most missing is the accidental interactions around the office, especially for me, I'm really new 
uh, to my company. And so I would say that almost an equal amount of the learning that I've done has been from a chance interaction uh, as it has been from a, you know, intentional interaction and losing those chance interactions is going to be impactful. So, you know, we've tried to, to make up for those. We have a Friday happy hour um, kind of trivia night with our, our home office and we're trying to implement other things like that. None of them are going to be as good as what it was. Um, but we need to take, you know, don't let uh, perfect be the enemy of the good, I guess, is what I would say. Thanks. No, that's great. Yeah. No, thanks, Nick. Um, so last uh, last webinar, we talked a, a lot about how this is humanizing. Um, so shifting to, you know, shifting to a remote uh, environment essentially humanizes everyone because kids jump in, uh, pets go wild, you name it. Um, everyone's learning to deal with it. Um, has anyone seen, and, and if not, we can move on from this, but um, aside from the humanizing aspect of it, has anyone actually taken the step to say, let's, uh, you know, let's look at the, the stresses that are pushed on? Are any conversations happening within your organizations or within your clients' organizations around you know, how, can we, uh, how can we help people uh, from a mental health standpoint during this time frame? Yeah, I, I'll take that one to start with. In fact, I've got a piece that's coming out here today or tomorrow that focuses on this idea that this is going to be a chance for every boss, every leader from bottom to top to remember that they are in charge, not of just the bottom line, but of the whole organization. And hopefully we'll go past just simply asking in a flippant way, how you doing? But to actually remember, especially in this time, not only is your team working remotely in a stressed environment and they do have kids coming through or pets or whatever, but they might also have loved ones that are uh, at these at-risk populations who they can't physically go and be with. And that is just an excruciating feeling. Uh, even my daughter, who's 25, perfectly healthy, is up in Dallas and is, is quarantined, but it still, as a parent, weighs on me. And I think that leaders at every level need to know that it's not business as usual for every, every member of their team. And we need to be mindful of that and ask, no, really, how are you doing? Do you have parents or loved ones that are at risk? Uh, and just be more mindful of that. And then ideally, as leaders, we continue that going past this time in our country's history. Couple quick things I want to jump in with here really quickly. One thing that I think could be a really great conversation in the chat if you're an attendee and you want to comment any uh, connection things like the coffee hour, the happy hour that your team is doing that's been working really well, I think it would be great insight for everyone else to be able to hear. There's some really awesome questions coming in. So just quick reminder, if you guys want to ask a question specifically for the panelists, please put it in the Q&A. It's much easier for us to keep track of because there's so much happening in the chat. And we will get to some of these questions. They're really awesome. So please keep them coming. Um, but specifically along these lines, uh, Jill mentioned in the poll she selected productivity, uh, but they're struggling with how to measure productivity. And she wants to know, and anyone here, especially um, if you have a team that you're working with, how in the middle of all of this, are you keeping people accountable and maintaining a level of continuity of operations while giving some grace and realizing everyone's in a new environment, you know, and struggling? So we have to weigh out, right, the empathy side of things and the productivity side of things. Do you guys have any input for how you're measuring that and helping people stay productive? So if I could just jump right in the front, I have a quick answer for this. You know, we all are, are still really trying to focus in on, on owning your aspect of, of the module, owning what it was you owned before. Um, when we do a check-in every morning and every evening talking about 
um, you know, what it is we're working on in the morning and then how, you know, what our roadblocks are uh, in the evening. And the other really important thing is that our project manager, project leader every day is making sure he calls everyone one, you know, one-on-one um, and at that checkout at the end of the day, and this is the, the essential piece as far as I'm concerned, is he says, what are you waiting on me for? So what am I preventing from getting done? I, do you need feedback on something that you've sent me an email and I haven't responded? Um, because he's over, overwhelmed, you know, um, at home with, a, I think his kid's 18 months and, and a baby on the way, you know, so all of that while also trying to manage a big project. So um, that's been really helpful. And I think the other piece of that, you know, Emily, is, you know, being understanding that production might go down a little bit, and that's okay. Um, uh, I think one of the tendencies of working from home isn't to work less, it's to work more. It's hard for you to disengage because you're still at your office. And so it's important for leaders to say, hey, it's, it's X, whatever your time is in your industry, go do what you need to do that isn't at your computer. We'll handle this in the morning. Yeah, and I haven't heard from uh, David in a while, so if I can uh, ask David the same question, please. Sure thing. Well, so uh, NavalX has been experimenting for over a year uh, with different kinds of workflow tools, and we have noticed that some of those tools that are used for software workflows can be really effective for team workflows. So. Um, I'll just non-endorsement, but just uh, giving you examples like Jira, Trello, and Asana are good ways for teams to be able to uh, look at each other's tasks and open you know, cards and basically uh, have a little more awareness of what the team is working on. So I find that um, rather than saying this is a micromanagement thing, it's more of a, oh, I didn't realize you had so much on your plate. Uh, it's really helpful for me to know that because now I know that you don't have time for this or can I take that off your plate so that you can help me with this more important item. So reassessing priorities like Nick was kind of alluding to is uh, productivity may be going down a little bit or we may be reassessing priorities in a really different kind of situation none of us are used to. I think uh, Joseph and a few other folks have talked about boundaries to some degree. Um, I think it's a balance between uh, and Emily talked about this too, is uh, I don't want to assume any negative intent, but we do have to make sure work's continuing to get done. On the flip side, remembering that everyone's human, dealing with lots of weird things at home that are not our normal situation, i.e. Uh, all of a sudden my wife and I are teachers because our school is shut down. So how do you get in two or three hour, hours of academic time and keep a six-year-old engaged the rest of the day and also be an awesome worker? Uh, I'm not only working, but also running an organization that's essentially a startup inside one of the biggest organizations in the world. So how do we continue to offer value and also be good parents and uh, neighbors and friends to our, you know, to the people in our lives? So I think setting boundaries, making expectations clear, and then using for work, I think using those tools not to micromanage folks, but to say, hey, look, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not overtasking you. But I do want to know what you're working on so I can make sure that we're all aligned on priorities. I can I can definitely attest to the fact that uh, I'll get an email from David at like three o'clock in the morning, not because he woke up early, but because he just hasn't gone to bed yet. So you might need to work on that uh, that balance a little bit better. Maybe this brings that to light. But I wanted to to ask um, 
Barbara, you mentioned, you know, you and Jamie working from home. So like, how do you, how do you manage the boundaries between that work and, and the boundary of, of, uh, you know, like David was talking about, um, for you and Jamie. Okay. Yeah. Good question. I was, I was going to jump in, um, with, with David's thoughts there as well. So I think to Emily's question about measuring productivity, I think the step I took before that is how do we define productivity? And so when we talk about boundaries between, you know, the, the work in my office and what's going downstairs with kids, there isn't, there's never been a boundary here. I've, we're, we're small business people. This is my life. I live and work here. And so uh, I think for us to define productivity is not just, well, I should back up. So let's define productivity and let's define work because what I see in the panel right now is all of you um, come from the perspective of an organization. So you're linked to a larger organization and seemingly have hopes to go back there or links to that. Um, it, I'm envious to be honest, because I'm sitting here with zero links in our company and 100% reimagining our world right now. So in the process of doing that, productivity for me means um, staying healthy, staying creative, staying rested. So when I define work, first of all, there's work. I have work in my community as a, as a leader in my community. I have work to uh, homeschool my kids and inspire them to maybe be part of the business. I have work building and re reimagining our business and then defining productivity for me is things like not the amount of work I get done in a day or who I talk to on on email it's setting standards for the day so uh, am I getting outside am I being active am I eating well am I controlling the inventory of food in my house for four people and are we food secure um, all of that you know these are productive things I need to think about all day and so if I'm balancing all of that especially being outside and accessing my creativity while I'm outside I come back a really good person to talk to my kids in homeschool and be prepared for this meeting and kind of stay optimistic in a time that's um, that's difficult to remain optimistic. If I could just add real quick, Emily, if you're on keyboard, maybe you can drop this in, but there's a book called Attention Management. It's a very short read. It's about attention management, not time management. And after going through it this week, because what I felt was just overwhelmed between kids, distractions, my daughter brought her puppy into the house, all kinds of stuff going on, I was overwhelmed. So one quick thing from that book that I did was turn off all notifications except for calendar so that I don't have this constant squirrel and this constant ding, this constant bing interrupting my productivity time. And it's helped tremendously. So I don't know if that'll help anybody else, but that's just one small nugget. I want to I want to piggyback on what you just said, and uh, I know Emily has been talking about putting stuff in the chat, but uh, we'll make the resources available to everybody in in a weekly uh, wrap up and a weekly newsletter. So if you have a link or a book or a, a tip or trick that you want everybody to know about, like put it in there. If you want us to attribute it to your name, we will. Um, but fill the fill the chat with anything that you can help other people with, and then stay tuned for uh, for how we wrap it up. Great. So it looks like we've got a, a lot of questions coming in from the audience as well. So um, let's uh, let's pick this one up with um, so this transition to remote. Uh, does anyone 
Does anyone see this being a positive trend to where uh, you think your company or your organization may actually continue this path, regardless of, uh, you know, how our environments change? So, Sean, so, so for us, um, this has actually been a, a, a growing season for us. We have um, been working with remote meetings for quite some time, but never to the extent we are now. And one of the things that it has, has reinforced is that our type of business does go on. Our clients are amazingly receptive to doing business this way. And what it's done for those of us that have been doing business this way for years anyway, me being included with my clients around the country, it has shown a lot of our teammates internally that it can be done because they're forced into doing it now where they had the option not to do it before, they don't now, and they're seeing, wow, this really does work. It wasn't just lip service. So um, it, the, the proof is in the pudding for them, and, it, and it, it is working out well, thanks be to God. Excellent. Thanks, Trey. Anyone else want to weigh in on that? I definitely think that there's um, long-term value in us doing more of a blended approach to work. Um, it's just like the argument people have been making for 15 years about open office. Okay, it's not the right answer, open office. So let's go all back to cubes. That doesn't make sense either. Uh, important people get an office, no one else does. Like I think that has changed for a reason because we realized it wasn't the right approach. It was a very industrial revolution mindset that we had carried forward for 75 years. Um, the 21st century, let's move into that. Uh, I think that some people need to be at home more so they can focus more on heads down work. Uh, a lot of us, you know, John Holly included, design thinking and uh, group uh, facilitation really requires in-person stuff until everybody has the same technological tools and high-speed internet. Um, not all of our organizations are ready for that yet. So I very much look forward to going back into the office for certain things, but I definitely see the value in giving people more flexibility in this and the trust that's necessary for us to be able to do that. And that's where I really see big organizations struggling is the trust. Um, if you don't know what your folks are doing and uh, you don't trust them, you should really reconsider whether they should be working for you at all. Yeah, and I think to the question that was asked, Sean, business shouldn't answer, ask the question or people or families even ask the question, do I need to make changes because of Corona? No, the question is, do you have, to Trey's point earlier about business continuity, do you have the ability to continue work if it's a power outage, if it is a 31-day snowstorm, if it is another hurricane? Everything that we're practicing and learning how to do now will just prepare us for those other uncontrolled foreseen events. And a lot of companies are putting off things that they should have done before cybersecurity. They're looking at every endpoint in their organization to figure out how people working remotely can be secure. They're looking at the cloud. I know law firms that didn't have anything in the cloud and now we're scrambling with what in the world to do. And then like even on a personal note, I never had quote unquote an office. I just worked out of a laptop in the kitchen. Well, that ain't happening now. So I'm coming to you from a spare bedroom that I rearranged everything, put some I love me photos on the wall to make it look like an office. And so for people like me and Barbara, who depend on that kind of outward facing engagement, you know, I'm having to rethink what that's gonna look like in the future. 
I'll just, I'll just weigh in too on the upsides of um, the remote concept of work. There's, there's a few things that I appreciate. One is an environmental message that if we're not all commuting, you know, into the downtown core, first of all, there's less stress at that, but just from a resource perspective, especially living in the resource uh, you know, province of Alberta where we're struggling with, um, you know, with, with that uh, oil economy. The other thing that's really important to me coming from a women's studies background is, is talking about this from a women in work perspective, not just women in work, but families in work. So the, the you know, the flexibility for, um, you know, options for, for daycare in the house, uh, for dads to stay home. It's just the flexibility for families that I think, is going to be an amazing opportunity in the future. Great, and piggybacking along with that, um, so is anyone struggling either personally or is anyone on your team struggling with kind of creating boundaries, right? So we talk about the shift work from home, uh, the shift to a remote workforce and the fact that we're humanizing it, but at the same time, uh, you know, is anyone struggling with it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm still working. Should I still be working? Am I drawing boundaries? Is this healthy? Um, anyone want to touch on that or provide some insight to that? I, I don't want to Go ahead, Barbara. Because in the middle of the day, I was running in the forest with my dog. So <laughs> when it's sunny and I can be outside on my fat bike in snow and I can then choose to work at, at night when it, 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 you know, it's colder, then I love it. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it's much easier for me when I'm on the road, um, the ability to separate, you know, home and life, you know, same with a career in the military, um, you know, work was at work, home was at home and very rarely the two crossed. And so that was easy. Uh, this for me is, is a real big challenge to kind of establish those boundaries. And um, I, I know I'm not alone. I know there's other people who are, who are struggling trying to find that, you know, it's nine o'clock, is, is it too early for me to be offline or not? Um, and all of that realization is, is a challenge. I think communication and open communication is what has allowed me, um, you know, we're trying to keep as many of our team norms as possible. So typically with our team, we traveled on Thursday evenings. Uh, everyone went back to their home offices Thursday evenings. So um, whatever time you left the office on Thursday, we tried to you know, have that kind of be untouchable time until Friday morning. Um, so we're keeping that. And then same Friday afternoon, um, you know, once you turn in your projects or, or whatever you were working on, you know, we, we try not to touch anybody over the weekend either. And so just keeping in mind that despite the fact that you are home, if you're working from home and you're unable to, you know, do the things that need to be done at home, you haven't gotten more time somehow. Um, and again, I go back to what I said earlier. I think most of us, you, you somehow have less time, um, even though I don't understand. I'm not commuting anymore and anything else. I don't know how I live less time, but I do. Um, it just adds up that way. Yeah, and one more thing to think about. I just want to give a shout. I see Michael Shear there. We, we have to talk about infrastructure in this country. We have to talk about broad, broadband. We have to talk about fiber because if this pro is prolonged or it's the next hurricane or it's the next blackout, we're going to need to have to have the infrastructure to be able to support this because as more and more people get comfortable, it's just going to increase the amount of bandwidth we're taking up. The complication with that is that all of our, our kids in our community are being homeschooled and they are either in high school, high level high school or university, and they need 
their, their success hinges upon being able to have adequate internet. And currently, I, I struggle with that. I live in a rural community that has, you're going to laugh at this. Everyone laugh, please. It's called Telus 6, you know, in the city. Yeah, no kidding. This is why I'm coming to you live from Telus 6. So I'm the only person allowed on here to talk to you right now. Every other person cannot do anything in my house right now. So I struggle with this every day. Yeah. Wow. I wanted to, uh, to kick this over to, uh, to David. There's a question for you from uh, Sean Heritage. It says, uh, DOD seems to be finally seeing the value in remote work at scale. Do you believe it will last beyond COVID-19? And what is, the, what is Naval X doing to experiment slash prototype and scale the, the remote work model? Sean Heritage knows that this uh, is a challenging and, and difficult topic <laughs> for us right now. Um, we are doing everything we can, Sean, uh, as you know, uh, trying to make sure that we uh, quickly adapt to this, push out um, uh, when, when we can uh, new digital tools if possible, or uh, accelerate the opportunity to use tools that have been under investigation with giant organizations. The Navy's not alone. I think Procter & Gamble and Pfizer and other big companies are probably dealing with the same kind of thing, which is okay, what we had was working okay with 20% telework, but how are we dealing with this on a 80 or 100% telework? Um, Naval X has been definitely investigating a lot of tools, uh, trying things kind of just uh, to see what works best. And I think we provide that feedback to our chief information officer, who's only been in the job about six months now, coming from 28 years in the private sector. His name's Aaron Weiss. I have a lot of optimism that we have folks in leadership right now including our Chief of Naval Operations, uh, Admiral Gilday, who uh, came from that uh, same background Sean Heritage has, so a cyber warrior, um, very much aware of the risks that come with commercial tools and other uh, digital tools, but also this is an opportunity and we really need to push forward on trusting our people and uh, making it clear, I think some of you may have the same challenge, which is some things can be said in a public forum and some things need to be behind a certain kind of firewall. So making those left-right boundaries clear on each kind of tool is the thing Naval X is trying to help uh, our CIO and other leaders do. And I think that's really challenging because the it's a very fluid environment right now. But thanks for the question. Um, yeah, this, Sean, we should definitely talk more offline on that. Hey, David, how many folks of your peers are using uh, commercially available apps like Signal that are highly encrypted that allow for communication? Uh, Signal just came up last week, as did something called Wicker. Um, so there are a lot of these uh, high, more uh, encrypted tools. And I think uh, the right answer for us right now is to see which one's in the lead on approvals. Uh, Defense has its own set of very specific uh, approvals. And I don't want to comment on any of those. Joseph yeah. knows what I'm talking about. But I do want to say that um, big organizations need to think about those risks. And so do small organizations. Uh, but I think moving ahead smartly, uh, having some people you trust with cybersecurity backgrounds is pretty key to this and asking those questions, not just assuming that you're fine with the security that came on your computer. Uh, so in the last uh, little bit that we have, so we have uh, 15 minutes left and we wanna shift to you know, the opportunities. So instead of being gloomy and, and talk about you know, potential tips and tricks, et cetera, like, what opportunities do you see? And I'll, I'll kick this to, to Trey to, to start us off here. But 
what kind of opportunities do you see in not only maybe your industry, but the specific team that you're working with, uh, et cetera? So it's amazing that uh, the opportunities that we're seeing seeing already are it is and it really goes along the lines of what um, Nick and, and and Joseph were saying about preparedness now for when the next event happens. So uh, a lot of our clients, it, it's a wake up call. And it is a call to action for them, their organizations, and their families to take care of some of the planning that they, they can easily push aside, whether it be their estate planning or their business succession planning, because you don't know when the day comes that the world changes on you and you can't get to get those things done. And so to give you a great example of, of a, uh, one that we had just, just the other day, I had a client call me in a complete panic. They have a child that is uh, just turned 18 years old, age of majority, and all of a sudden when they were talking, they go, wait a minute, Trey, you've been telling me now for two months we need to get have our daughter having a power of attorney given to us in case for medical care in case something happens to her they can actually get medical records from the doctors so it's little things like that now that now this health comes out you know with the uh, coronavirus and they're going oh my god what is my daughter and they're, they're freaked out so now it's getting them with attorney to get those done but that's just one concrete example of you've got to get your ducks in order and your planning in order so it is really changing the the sense of urgency not only for our clients but also for our advisors to get with our clients to get those things done. John, I think another opportunity that this has provided is, you know, we've talked a little around the idea of trust. Um, and, and I think trust and loyalty are two things that we really have an opportunity to build here. Um, companies trusting their employers, employees, companies allowing their employees to work from home and to be safe and be with their family and 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 understand that this is impacting everyone is going to have a long lasting impact on on those employees and their desire to stay with that company this is a great opportunity for people to become industry leaders because they're trusted both by their clients and by their employees so you know, for, for those participants who are out there who are in positions of leadership who are trying to figure out how to move forward in this time, um, there are industries that, that are just, this is impacting too hard to keep people on. Fine. I, I will accept that. But for ma the majority, you find a way to keep your employees whenever possible because those employees will be loyal and you will have a better capability to be productive when this ends and we need to figure out how to move back to the new normal because it's not going to be what it was 60 days ago we're, we're going to be moving into a different and uncertain future and having a workforce that knows you support them is going to be so valuable so i would just say losing profit in the near term to keep employees right now is going to be a very profitable decision in the long run Can I just chime in as well? I don't know if you Absolutely. have another question. No, keep going with the opportunity for sure. Yeah, so the opportunity really is for, and I'll speak of this in terms of an organization and as an individual. So for an organization, the opportunity is to figure out, is this business model that we have sustainable through different crises that may happen in the future or 
to other competitors. Let us not forget that there are plenty of companies that have gone out of business over the years and it had nothing to do with a virus or a tornado. It was bad business or to Nick's point, they treated their people badly and they didn't provide good service. So if we think of this as an opportunity to really retool the business model or like some companies are having to do, which is their business model is currently gone. No one wants to pay for their services because it usually revolves around large groups of people, whether you're thinking travel, entertainment industry, speaking conferences, you know, conferences of large organizations, associations. So that gives everybody a chance to retool their business model. But as an individual, I think it's a neat opportunity too, though, to look at the opportunities to do other things. And as they say, moving up the value chain. So if you were a person, knowledge worker, who your value was equal to your time, this gives you an opportunity, quite literally, with more time on your hands, to think about other ways to expand your knowledge and share it with others, whether it be through writing, whether it be through uh, other creative works, so that you can move your value up the value chain. And some people may find out, this is kind of like the Tim Ferriss theory, that you can actually make just as much money if you understand very clearly what your goals are in life, if you support your goals first, and then just figure out where the money comes afterwards. So there's all, all types of opportunities to redo your business model and organization, and even quite frankly, as a person, as an individual. Awesome. Before we move on, I think Barbara, you had something you wanted to chime in there for the opportunity one? Yeah, I like, I, I have this mantra of repair versus reimagine. And repair means let's get back to business as usual, which is not gonna happen. And that's the glass half empty <laughs> side of me talking. The glass half full side of me talking is the reimagine part. And so um, speaking from small business perspective, which is, the, which is the area that we come from, we tend to you know, forge ahead with uh, the business that comes in. And we have many projects on the back burner that we always want to get back to and think that, you know, there's a way to monetize and so on. So my reimagining um, idea instead of the repair idea is bring those back burner projects to the front burner and, you know, instill some creativity, some innovation and, uh, you know, take it to the market. Yeah, it's a great point uh, just to build on that. I'm relaunching my website next week because I want to make other senior leaders that I like working with realize that the barrier to entry to connecting with me is as easy as a one-click button. People figure out Zoom now. They can be on a conference call with me or a Zoom call with me in an hour or two days based on availability in a way that before always felt like it was too much of a barrier. So that's one way of reimagining to Barbara's point. Great, and we we uh, we actually have one last question since we have a, a couple minutes. Let's go ahead and ask that. And this is probably towards uh, Trey and possibly Nick and David as well. Um, just with regard to big meetings, right? So large organizations, uh, a lot of a lot of individuals are trying to figure out. Um, obviously, there's there's Zooms and there's other similar um, services out there. But how are you handling? sort of large meetings versus smaller one-on-one -on -one, uh, meetings? So fortunately for us, our organization's only about 225, 230 people uh, large. So uh, we are finding GoToMeeting or Skype is working just fine for us. And we've not 
I, knock on wood, have not had any bandwidth issues yet or anything like that. So um, assuming things continue to go the way out, that's okay. However, that being said, we do not have our head in the sand and we are looking for other other venues or opportunities to increase bandwidth or, or capacity as we need it. I think the bigger issue for, for us, um, you know, we're an organization that's blessed with having, you know, technology in place. Um, norms, norms is the issue. You know, when we've had meeting after meeting after meeting with in-person and then we're switching to remote meetings, trying to establish the norms to be able to do things. Um, as unique as you believe your voice is, it is not. Uh, people do not know who is speaking. So simple norms like establishing, hey, this is Nick, before you start talking with your comment, um, they're just necessary. I don't know what those are for your organization. Maybe your organization like Barbara's is small enough that, that they do know your voice. But um, I was in a, a meeting today with 64 people today. And so understanding quickly who from our organization was going to talk because we were not all going to potentially try to speak over each other. So a quick pre-meeting, it was actually a Slack message. Hey, I got this unless I call on call for your help, help to set those norms before the meeting. And then whenever anyone was talking, trying to remember to, to say who it is with the exception of the, the, the meeting leader. And, and Dave, I'm sure you have the same thing with Navy X. I was actually, it was a military meeting as well. So it, it becomes far more complicated in that situation. I, I do appreciate Nick's uh, last comment a lot as far as um, setting ground rules at the beginning of a meeting, no matter what it is, I think is a great idea. Um, we, I don't know if you guys have heard the uh, poor Jennifer thing yet, but when you go to the bathroom, don't keep Zoom on. That's all I have to say on that. Um, Google, Google it. And I also posted a conference calls in real life video. It's like eight years old, I think, but it's one of the funniest ones I've ever seen. And it's so true. Um, being patient with people, explaining the rules as if one person in the meeting may not have ever done a Zoom call or something else. Uh, breakout rooms, I think Zoom has that option for premium subscribers and um, WebExes and things like that. I think a lot of those tools are expanding their options. Um, you know, I think being creative, uh, the two pizza rule, has everyone on the panel heard of that? Um, nope. you, know, you, sh you shouldn't really have a meeting with more than uh, more people than could eat two pizzas. And I obviously subjective, but um, that's usually about five or six folks. So if you have 20, 50, 100 people on a conference call, that might be the wrong size meeting and you might have too many tourists on there. And it's what IDEO calls them. So um, this is different, right? A panel discussion, you, have, you should have a lot of people asking questions and getting answers, hopefully. But uh, Patience is is something we all need to practice. And hey, everything one of the guys is new again. We're starting to bring back the hand raise. I've been in a lot of meetings with people raising their hand. Quite polite. Yeah. Dave, one of the guys you work with, uh, Sam Gray, I think it was his comment uh, that John would have heard that said, the value of a meeting is directly and inversely proportional to the number of people in attendance. That's so true. if you need to put word out, have a message a meeting with 40 people. If you need to make a decision, there probably should be a meeting with four people. Yeah. So finding the right attendees is important. That's right, Barbara, you're up. One thing I could add here, just listening in, I think that uh, three, three key things for me is 
the idea of how well are you are you listening what questions can you ask other people and then what you know what are your talk points so to manage those things i've found it useful to have like the john and the, or the sean in the room like announce who might be a facilitator of the meeting to kind of keep it on track with the quota of listening asking questions and then talk points what what do you think david um, I think that it is obviously pretty dependent on what the topic is and what you're trying to attack. Um, but I think that that's a good thumb rule uh, to consider. And I think it really is something you can also ask the attendees right before you before you even get it going. We've been doing a lot of that lately, asking uh, kind of lean startup style, asking people for user feedback. Like, is is this going to accomplish what we were hoping for? Uh, I just heard about the five P's. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. That's um, if I can find it. It was uh, this is one of ideas. Sorry, this is good. It, purpose, product, people, process, and pre-work. Things that you should. And I'll put that. I'll put a link to that somewhere. But things you need to consider before you have a meeting and make sure that you have an outcome in mind, the right number of people. You've done the homework in advance. And this would have been true before COVID nineteen too. But I think. This is definitely a good uh, kick in the pants for us and get, our, get everything back in gear. Hey, David, and on that, the, the importance, because we're not in person, one of the things that tends to leave meetings is the establishment at the front and the back. Why are we here? And what did we accomplish? And, and if there's one takeaway I, I could say for me, it's that at the end of every meeting, someone needs to be in charge of saying, all right, hey, these are either the things that we've decided or these are the do outs or something. Why did we have this meeting um, needs to be established at the end unless you're oh, having one of our coffee chats. Hey, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in uh, and kick it over to Sean to wrap us up and, uh, and send us on our way. Yeah, it was a great conversation, everyone. We really appreciate it. Um, we're actually kicking a link out right now into the chat. Yeah, it's a quick uh, webinar survey. Uh, we just asked uh, if you have a few extra minutes, if you could take it, that would be great. Uh, as a little plus, we're gonna take, uh, we're gonna pick one person or one company um, from the respondents and we're gonna offer a free 30 minute uh, team building session virtually. Um, so it's something that we, just, uh, just as a way to say thank you and we appreciate your feedback. We're always trying to get better um, at this, at providing information. Uh, speakers, panelists, you did a, an amazing job. We thank you for all your insight. Um, we appreciate uh, the, the uh, attendees and all the questions that came through. Um, you know, viewers, if there is anyone else out there that, uh, that you think would be interested in either watching, please share the links with them. Um, or if they'd be actually uh, be interested in being a panelist, um, just reach out to us as well. Uh, so that's really all we have for today. Um, again, thank you. We really appreciate your time. Stay safe, stay vigilant, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adapt and Overcome podcast from AltRPO. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review and a comment with your favorite takeaway from the conversation. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. If you're looking for more resources, you can visit our website, altrpo.com. That's A-L-T-R-P-O.com. We have information on virtual team facilitation, virtual team building workshops, as well as our webinar page at altarpo.com slash webinar. 
where you can register to be a participant or even apply to be a panelist on one of our future webinars. Don't forget, you can share any of our information with any of your friends or colleagues that you feel would really benefit. We are really hoping to add value to our community during this time of global crisis. We hope you're staying safe and healthy, and we look forward to seeing you soon.